Mark chapter 5. I want to start reading this morning in verse number 1. It says this, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And they saw, and they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. God, we ask that you would use your word in our hearts and lives and that if there would be somebody here today who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, I pray they wouldn't leave that way, but that today might be the day of salvation for them. Well, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Is is this water down here for me? Oh, this is fancy water. Look at that. Ultra pure. Not just pure. Le bleu. Le bleu. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, let me, let me try this. I'm just going to, I'll turn around so you don't feel, you... tastes like water. <laughs> I thought maybe there'd be a slight hint of blue cheese or something in there. I, I don't know. Here, here in Mark chapter five, uh, is a, it's a wonderful story uh, of Jesus meeting a man's need, because that's what Jesus does, amen? He meets people's needs. Sometimes they don't know what their needs are, but he knows how to meet them, even if they don't know what they are. And so in Mark chapter 4, Jesus has been teaching and preaching, and and then he tells the disciples at the end of the day, let's get in the boat and go the other side. And so they get the boat ready, and, and Jesus finds a place down in there and falls asleep, and, and they head out across the water. And in the middle of all that, a storm comes up, and it's such a big storm, the disciples think they're going to die. And they wake him up and said, Jesus, don't you, don't you even care that we're going to die? <laughs> and you would think they would learn sooner or later, wouldn't you? And, and he said, all right, peace be still. And everything stopped. And then he rebuked them for their lack of faith. And, and they, they pulled up to the other side. And when they pulled up to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, or you'll, you'll see it called the Gergesenes, and, and the area of Decapolis on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they pull up there to the shore, and as they're coming, there's been somebody watching their arrival. 
Somebody has been up on the hillside in the tombs and he has been watching this boat come through the storm and come up to the shore and something inside of him, he inherently knows that that guy down there who just stopped the storm, he can fix my problem. You see, the man up in the tombs on the hillside, he's been possessed by devils for years. We don't know his whole story. We don't know the backstory. We know he's somebody's son. He could well have been somebody's husband, somebody's father. But things in his life have gone wrong. And they have gone so wrong that by this point, he is possessed with devils. He spends his life, he's ripped off all of his clothes. He's up there in the tombs. He cuts himself and he screams all night long. He comes through town and he frightens people. And they see him coming and they hide their children. And they've, they've tried to get control of him. They've tried. They've, they put fetters on him and he just breaks them apart. They have put chains on him and he just snaps the chains apart and he's got superhuman strength and everybody's scared. They're afraid of him. And, and anytime he comes down off that hillside, it's bad news. But today, listen, while he's there watching Jesus come to the shore, it, honestly, it's the first clear thought he's had in years when he realizes that man down there can solve my problem, and he comes running down that hillside and throws himself at the feet of Jesus when Jesus gets off that boat, and and Jesus asks the devils, what's your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, they're going to get cast into a herd of 2,000 swine. So it would not be beyond the realm of possibility to, to imagine that there are thousands of devils in this man. Cause they're gonna, they're gonna go into a herd of 2,000 swine. And, and, and Jesus has got him down there at his feet and says, come out. And, and they said, we don't want to leave. Isn't that something? It's not just we don't want to leave the man. We don't want to leave this area. We want to stay in this country. In other words, we like it here. We, we don't want to have to go somewhere else. Let us stay in this area because we are comfortable here and we like it here. Do you suppose there are some places where the devil is comfortable? Where he feels so welcome that he just likes to stay there. Well, that's what this place was. There was already so much wickedness going on and so much spiritual darkness that they said, all right, Jesus, we know you, you can cast us out, but we would like to stay in this country. As a matter of fact, how about we go into those pigs over there? And Jesus, the Bible says, gave them leave, and they went. And then they infested that herd of 2,000 swine. And the next thing you know, the 2,000 pigs are running down the mountain, jumping off the cliff, and drowning themselves in the Sea of Galilee. You say, well, why, why would they want to go into those pigs and then just kill the pigs? Why would they do that? Because that's all the devil ever does. He's never built anything. He's never improved anything. He's never made anything better. He always destroys and he tears apart and he ultimately kills those who decide to follow him. And if they couldn't finish, finish off this man, they decided the next best, next best thing would be go up there and just slaughter a bunch of swine. And so they did. Listen, when the devil tells you, that following him is going to be fun and easy and he's got great stuff in store for you, he's lying. What he has is death and destruction in store. That's what he always has in store. 
And this was no different. And now the, the, the devils are gone and the, and the swine have run down the hill and drowned themselves. And then those whose job it is to herd the swine, they went running into town. They said, you'll never believe what happened. This guy, Jesus, just showed up on the shore. And the, and the crazy guy from up in the tombs, the scary guy, he, he's down there sitting. He's got clothes on and he's talking to Jesus. And now all the, all the pigs are dead. 2,000 pigs ran down the hill and, and into the water and they're all dead. And now everybody's in a, in, in, in a tizzy and they're running and they're going to see what in the world is going on. Some of them probably want to see if all those pig bodies are floating in the water. Some of them want to see if that man is sitting there with clothes on and, and in his right mind. And they just want to see what in the world happened. And they get down there and there's that man sitting there like they haven't seen him in a long, long time. He's put clothes on. He's listening to Jesus. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus is talking to him. He's asking questions. And they see what God has done. And at that moment, would your response not be, thank you, Jesus, for doing this? You've just solved our problem. I mean, we've had this problem for years. And it's scary. And we've tried to fix it. And we can't fix it. And you just showed up and fixed it just like that. Thank you for doing that. Why don't you stay for a while? Because we've got other problems too. Would that not make sense to you? That makes sense to me. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? When the guy who just solved your problem is sitting right there, you would ask him to stay. But you know what they did? They said, please go away. Leave. We don't want you here anymore. Now, that's that's amazing to me. That's the wrong response. I mean, that, that just doesn't make sense at all. Why would you tell the guy who's just solved your biggest problem in town to go away? Why wouldn't you want him to stay and see if there's something else that he can do? And maybe you can learn some things from him. And maybe he can be a help to you. But they said, we want you to go away. And listen to me closely now. The bad part is, when you tell Jesus to go away, He'll go away. That's the worst part of the whole thing. When you say to Jesus, I am not interested in what you have to offer, go away. He'll leave you alone. And you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. Why in the world would they say, please leave? Well, first of all, this morning, I believe they wanted him to go away because he reminded them of their sin. He reminded them of their sin. And people don't like to be reminded of their sin. They just don't like it. They don't appreciate it. And Jesus just did that. You see, they had gotten used to the crazy guy in the tombs who cuts himself and screams all night long. And yeah, it's scary, but as long as he stays up there, everything's all right. And you hear all that wailing and that screaming at night. But you know, you get used to it after a while. You know, people who live next to train tracks don't hear trains. They don't, because they're just so used to it happening. They don't, they don't hear the train. People who live next to a big airport, they don't hear the jets coming in anymore. It's just, it's tuned out and they don't hear it. And when every night you hear screaming up on the hillside after a while, that's just what happens at night and you don't even notice it anymore. You'd have to be from out of town to even notice anything was going on. They've become comfortable with the sin that lives right in their midst and they don't even see it and they don't even hear it. 
And that's where we get sometimes. We get so comfortable with the sin all around us that, well, that's just the way it is. That's just how it is. And some of them probably said, well, you know, he was born that way. He was just born that way. Others said, well, you know, it was because he had some heartache in his life and he had a rough time and that's how he got that way. It's not really his fault. It's just the way he is. And and so that's what we've got to deal with. And Jesus showed up and said, no, he wasn't born that way. No, it wasn't because of something somebody else did. This man has a sin issue and he's allowed devils to take up residence in his life. And now I'm going to fix the sin problem. People don't like to come to the place where they admit their problem is sin. So we rename it. We call it different things. We call it a lifestyle choice. And we do it all the time. We, we don't have drunkards anymore like they did in the Bible. Now we have alcoholics. That's what we have. We don't have perverts running around. We have minor attracted adults. That's what they call them on the news. That's the official term now. Not just a good old-fashioned pervert that's shamed out of town. No, because if he's a pervert, then he's a sinner. If he's just a minor attracted adult, he's just got a different lifestyle. I'm smiling at you because you can't get mad at me that I smile at you. We're teaching in every public school in America that your children can choose what gender they are. And they even make up a bunch that don't exist. As you can't even keep track of how many they make up. And what they say. He said, oh no, we live in the Bible Belt and our schools are good and our teachers are Christians. They're learning exactly the same thing in your school system right here that they are learning in Los Angeles and New York. I promise you they are. And they might not come out and tell you because they know you wouldn't appreciate it. They're doing exactly the same thing. And they have exactly the same thing in your library. And they're pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it every single day. And now it's not sin anymore. It's just an alternate lifestyle. That's all. But the the sad fact is, if you're not willing to admit that your sin is sin, you will never get it fixed. It's not until you realize you've got a serious problem that only Jesus can solve that you get help. As long as you just learn to live with it, it will never go away and it will torment you until it destroys everything in your life. Everything. You see, nobody wants to admit that their sin is sin. And Jesus being there and this man suddenly delivered and sitting there clothed and in his right mind let them know it was a sin problem. And nobody wanted to stop and admit what it was. It was a spiritual issue that needed a spiritual solution. And Jesus reminded them of their sin. And so they said, go away. I'm glad the guy's not cutting himself. I'm glad he's not running through town naked. I'm glad he's not scaring the kids. But we don't need any more of that. Go away. Go away. He reminded them of their sin. Secondly, Jesus threatened their lifestyle. Everything's good until you mess with somebody's lifestyle. Jesus is good. Not going to hell is good. We just don't want it to affect the way we live. That's all. 
And that was their problem as well. You see, Jesus sitting there affected their lifestyle because when those devils went out of that man, you recall where they went? Into that herd of 2,000 swine. Their entire economy was built on herding pigs. The swine business. Now, these are, these are Jewish people living under the law. And they are not supposed to, they are not supposed to eat pork. They're not supposed to have pigs. They're not supposed to touch pigs. They're not supposed to be around pigs. And you know what their livelihood is built on? Herding pigs. They are already living in open rebellion against God. Do you have to wonder why the devils feel comfortable in that land? Because the people are already living in rebellion against God. And so they are welcome there. Where you live in rebellion against God, you are saying, devil, come take up residence. Come stay here a while. You'll be comfortable here. And so here are these Jewish people, and they probably would have said, oh, we don't eat them. We, we don't eat pork. That'd be against the law. We just, we just raise them and sell them to the Romans because the Romans eat pork. Kind of like the Christian restaurant owner. Oh, it's going to get ugly here in a minute. <laughs> Who says, well, you know, we don't drink alcohol. We don't do any of that. But we have to sell it in our restaurant because it's a huge part of our profit margin. Oh. But God says not only don't drink it or touch it. He says don't look at it and don't give it to anybody else. And that one's in black and white, by the way. you got to throw out chunks of your Bible to miss that one. You don't want to do that. I'm smiling at you. I could take you to some of those Christian-owned restaurants. Well, they <laughs> people want it, and, and we don't drink it. We just sell it to them. And you're living in open rebellion against the God of heaven, just like these Jews herding pigs. And the people came and they said, uh, you, just, you just messed up our livelihood. You just, you just threw away our, our, our economy right there. And we don't need that. And we're, we're glad the guy's not cutting himself and all that. But you need to get out of town now. You need to get out of town. Because you just messed up our livelihood. People don't like to have their lifestyle messed with. And let me just say, God messes with lifestyles. He does that. He does that. Because He changes you. And He transforms you. And sometimes, if you're living a, a lifestyle that's opposed to God... God will have to mess with your lifestyle. Nowadays, you know, it's just a common thing for folks to shack up before they get married or just never get married at all and just shack up. We used to recognize it as sin. It's still sin. It is. I don't care if you've been in it for 20 years. It's still sin. And sometimes those folks, you know, you hate to be the marriage police, but sometimes you just assume when a couple comes in and, and, or you meet them at their door, you assume that they're married because you used to be able to assume that. And, and, and they get saved and thank God. Listen, they need to get saved. Everybody needs to get saved. And then they come to church and, and suddenly you find out they're not married. And now, somewhere along the line, you have to deal with the sticky issue. You have to. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna come and, and join our church, uh, well, you, you kinda need to straighten this thing out in your life. 
You've been living together for 15 years. Why not just make it official? I mean, hey, what's it going to hurt? And you know what usually happens at that point? Usually. They never come back again. Why? Well, they didn't want to go to hell and they wanted Jesus, but don't mess with my lifestyle choices. I'm still smiling at you. (laughs) So Jesus, just go away now. You've done what needs to be done. Go away. You don't need any more of that. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. You see, by him being there, he was threatening their lifestyle. The commentator Matthew Henry said this, being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. They would rather live constantly oppressed by devils than to follow Jesus. And that made sense to them. Listen, that ought not make sense to you. Why in the world would you be satisfied with devils in your midst when you've got the Son of God there who has the power to cast them out and transform your life? Listen, your lifestyle's not worth it. A few extra bucks here and there is not worth it. It's just not worth it. Follow Jesus. Amen? And then thirdly, I believe they told him to go away because by his presence there, he was forcing them to make a decision. And they didn't want to make a decision. They didn't want to have to say, we want devils or we want Jesus. They just wanted him gone so they didn't have to think about it and they didn't have to be pressured into deciding which way to go. The problem is, when you refuse to decide, you've already decided. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse number 18. He said, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What do you have to do to be condemned and go to hell? You say, well, I don't want to think about it right now. I'll decide later. Then you're already condemned. You don't have to shake your fist in the face of God. You don't have to throw your Bible out in the trash. All you have to do is say, I don't want to decide today. And you walk out the doors condemned already. Just because you have not decided to follow Jesus and believe on Him. They said, we don't want to think about it now. Just get back in the boat and go away. They didn't want to have to make a decision. But by doing that, they had already chosen what they wanted. You see, lost people quite often want Jesus to go away. They do. Nobody, nobody wants to sit and hear that they're a sinner. Nobody wants to hear that their lifestyle is opposed to God and it needs to change. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that they have an issue in their life that needs to be fixed and taken care of and the God of heaven knows it and they need to come clean before Him and get right with it. Nobody wants to hear that. But when you say, go away, I don't want to hear that anymore, the danger is that you might not hear that anymore. Say, so, well, someday before I get, before I get old and die, someday I'm, I, I know I'll get right with God. I'll get saved. I know I should. I know it's right. I know that's, that's the right thing. And so I'll do that someday before I die. I'm going to do it. Good. I'm glad. Now, if you'll tell us what day that's going to be, 
We'll put it on the church calendar in big, bold letters. George is going to die on the 23rd of October. And then on the 22nd, the preacher will come by your house and open his Bible and go through the the gospel with you and give you another chance to get saved. Won't that be great? Except that you don't know what day that's going to be. You have no idea. You guys are all young. you got your whole life ahead of you. And you probably think that, you know, it's going to be a long, long life and and you're going to live to be like so old you can barely move, like 40. Or, or even, <laughs> it's amazing how well you can't move at 40. And then, and, and some of you are thinking, you know, well, you know, I'm going to be old as dirt. I'm going to be 70 or I'm going to be 80 or 90. You just walk through the cemetery. You'll find the, you'll find some people in there made it to a hundred or better. Just very few, but there are some. And you'll find a bunch in their 90s and in their 80s and in their 70s. And you'd be surprised how many you'll find in their 60s and 50s. And then uh, you'll be surprised at how many there are in their 20s and their teens. And how many spots there are for children. I mean, just little children. See, you don't know what day that's going to be. So don't tell Jesus to go away today. Because you're going to need Him. Oh, you might not think you need Him, but you need Him. You need Him. And if you don't know Him as Savior, you need Him as soon as possible. Because if you walk out of here and some terrible thing happens this afternoon, listen, there are a bunch of people dead in Florida today who didn't plan that. Last week, they had their whole life in front of them. And there are, what, 50 of them dead or something like that? Or, and it just they keep finding people and stuff. They didn't plan to die last week. They didn't plan for that, just like you're not planning for it. But they're gone now. And it's too late now. If they don't know Jesus now, I promise you they're in hell right now. And the ones who did know Jesus Christ, they're in heaven right now. Thank God for that. But if something happens to you tonight, where will you be? Don't tell Jesus to go away. This is not the time in this world to tell Jesus to go away. I can almost understand why somebody who's lost and never experienced the goodness of God would be cautious and, and not want to make a decision right away. You know what I don't understand at all? That there are an awful lot of people who claim to be saved who live the same way. Oh, they're glad they're not going to hell but they don't want Jesus messing with their life. Don't tell me how I should live. Don't tell me what I should do. Don't tell me what I should watch or listen to or wear. Don't tell me where to go. Jesus, you you just keep me out of hell and then go away. That, I don't understand at all. Because the truth is, the more Jesus is in your life, the better off you are. The better off you are. But if you choose to live in rebellion against God, just like these folks did, you're just opening places for the devil to come in and play around in your life. And you're leaving open places that ought not be open. And it can end very badly for you and your family and those who come after you. They said, Jesus, we want you to go away. And you know what he did? He got in the boat. And they started to push off from shore. 
They said, go away, and he went away. And the man whose life had been transformed, he said, Jesus, I want to come with you. And Jesus said, no, you can't come. You've got to stay. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go all through this area and tell everybody what I did here today. These people don't want to know about it. They don't want to hear about it. But I promise you there's some people up there who'd like to hear about it. So you just go tell everybody what I did. And that man went and told everybody. I hope when we get to heaven we can watch the replay because I want to see what happened after this. After the boat's going back across the shore, I want to see this guy running through town, letting everybody, maybe he goes back to where his family is and his parents are, or maybe his wife and children, and gets them by the hand and says, let's go tell everybody I'm different now. And then he went all through the area of Decapolis and let them know, I'll bet you there's some people in heaven today because of that man's testimony. And I'll bet you there's a whole bunch of people who lived right there in that town who are in hell today because they said, go away. What will you say? I promise you, Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to transform you. He wants to make you a new creature. If you're here and you've never been saved, He wants to forgive your sin and save your soul, and He wants to do that. Don't tell Him to go away today. Save person, he wants to be part of your life. Not just keep you out of hell, he wants to be part of your life. Don't tell him to go away.